following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. I hope all of you had a great Easter week, Resurrection Sunday week, and Good Friday. We just spent some great time uh, appreciating Jesus for the price that He paid and the fact that He conquered death. And that was amazing to spend time really focusing and celebrating uh, the price Jesus paid and the victory over death is amazing. But the one scripture we focused on is that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living in you and living in me. And if you really get what that means, I think we have it for up here, uh, scripture. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in you and me. And if we really take that to heart, if we really own that, it is completely a game changer uh, on how we live life and what God expects to do through us or what God can do through us. Our whole life can be different if we really understand that God's model for the church is I'm sending you my spirit and I want you to walk as my children, but not alone in the presence of God, with the Spirit of God in you, so that you can be a follower of Jesus, that you can represent Him. Jesus said, as you've seen me do, you do also. And as God's people, we can move forward that way. That's a completely different type of understanding than I was raised with. When I was young, I learned about God, but I didn't understand that kind of thing. I didn't know, uh, I was failing along the way, and I didn't know that God gave His Spirit to those who were committed to following Jesus so that we can actually be empowered, empowered to walk out this faith. No one talked about being empowered. I didn't even know it was a reality. I just thought it was more of a belief system. And then I realized, no, there is power to this belief system and there is love to this belief system. And it's the power and love of God in God's people. And so... um, As we're going through the book of Acts, we see that the early church in Acts chapter 2 did what Jesus said. They said, hey, we're going to wait to receive power. Jesus said, don't go anywhere until you receive power from on high. And so they're all in this upper room and they're waiting and God pours out his spirit on all of them. There's men and women in this upper room praying, seeking God. God pours out his spirit. Historically, it had never happened in the history of humanity And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God is poured out, and there's a whole new level of life for the believers who are filled with the Holy Spirit. And the first thing we see is Peter standing up with a new level of boldness, an ability to speak, a capacity to stand up and speak up and represent God in a way that he could not before. This is the single greatest evidence of being filled with the Spirit. There was also other spiritual gifts manifest and there's other uh, things the Spirit of God does but the reality is the one purpose that Jesus said, wait till you receive power so that you can go represent me because you can't go out there and represent and speak for me until you've been filled. And sure enough, they're filled. It's beautiful. And they spoke up and God showed up and God was doing great things. And in the process, the work of the kingdom is moving forward but... There's always opposition. There's always opposition and there always will be some opposition. Jesus said you'll always have tribulation. Um, The reality is there's an opposition against the message of Christ. And anytime you have an opposition opposed to the message of Christ, anything that's against 
uh, is considered anti. And so you have the message of Christ as something the Spirit of God desires to pour out His Spirit in your life and in mine so that we can represent in His power, not our own, to come out of our shyness, come out of our uh, fear and timidity, and to be able to represent with a boldness. But the devil is very opposed to that. And he uses interesting uh, people, places, and things to try to stop and hinder that from happening. That, by definition, is anti-Christ. Anything opposed to Christ and his message is anti-Christ. And you might, not, you might think, hey, well, that's not, you know, if somebody doesn't want me sharing the message, they don't look like a devil with horns, you know, it doesn't look anti-Christ in that way. But the spirit behind the opposition of the message of Jesus is, in fact, anti-Christ. In Western civilization, uh, for the last, you know, 15, 1600 years, there hasn't been a lot of opposition to the message of Christ. In fact, the message of Christ was somewhat immersed in our culture, uh, where people would agree with it, whether they lived it out or not is different, but they would agree with the message that Jesus is the Christ and he is good and his ways are good and righteous. But now there is a changing of tides uh, where there is an opposition to the message of Christ today that didn't exist 30 years ago, for example. And that by very nature is anti. It's opposed to the message of Jesus. And this was happening back in the apostles' time as well. And if you have your Bibles, uh, you can open up to Acts chapter four, and we're gonna see this uh, opposition, even hostility, that starts to rise up against the message. And I don't know what you do in your life when you sense that there's a hostility or an opposition to the message of Jesus. If you sense on your job or in your neighborhood that people don't want you to share faith, what do you do? Do you shut down? Do you retreat? Do you become silent? Or do you pray up and get filled up and charge? Because I would suggest to you that's what they did in Scripture. It's a very real thing, opposition thinking, what am I going to do? They're not really, there's an opposition. I sense a opposition to the message of Jesus. The devil's behind that opposition. It's anti-Christ. Remember we said that it's opposed to Christ. It's opposed to Christ, his mission and his message, his ways, his provision, his offering for you and I on the cross. It's opposed to it. Don't share it. Don't let it out. And what are you and I going to do is the question. Paul told Timothy, God did not give you a spirit of fear and timidity. He gave you a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. That's the spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit gives us, power, love, and a sound mind. But when we're not filled with the spirit, then sometimes we default to, well, I'm feeling a little timid or I'm a little bit afraid. Uh, This is a very natural reaction to have. There's nothing weird about it. It's natural. It's legit. But that's not from God. He gives us power, love, and a sound mind. I remember in my life before this uh, concept and this principle, I should say, in the Bible of being filled with the Spirit um, where God pours out His power in your life. He pours out His power in your life in a definitive way so that you and I can represent Him in a way that we could not before. That's scriptural. There's a scriptural setup in the whole book of Acts 
you can't represent me until you're filled with my spirit and love and power. And don't even try. Don't even leave Jerusalem. Don't leave the city. Don't leave the town. In fact, don't even leave the room, God said, until you're filled with my spirit and you have power to represent. And they did. They prayed. They got filled. They went out. They started representing. And then there's this opposition that comes up. And so the setup in this story is that Peter and John had just gone up to the temple on a regular, ordinary day, a day like we normally have, the day you go into work and you walk down or you pass your neighbors and you you drive into work or wherever you go, into Trader Joe's, whatever. It's a normal, regular, everyday, typical day. And all of a sudden, they sense the Holy Spirit say, psst, him over there, because that's what the Holy Spirit will do. The Holy Spirit will say, her over there, look, look. And the Spirit of God will point people out because the Spirit of God knows all things and searches all things. Do you guys know that? The Spirit of God, Scripture says, knows all things and searches all things. So when you and I are in tune with the Spirit, the Spirit who knows and searches all things will point things out to us. The Bible says He does this, that He comforts, He guides, He leads, and He's our counselor. And a counselor must speak. Could you imagine hiring a lawyer as a counselor and they didn't talk to you? That, that wouldn't go real well. He's the counselor. And so he communicates and, psst, hey, look. And so they're walking in on a normal day and the Spirit of God says, psst, hey, look. And they look over and they, this beggar is at this gate of the temple called the, the beautiful gate. Apparently it was an amazing looking gate with all this ornate inlay and everyone's walking up going, wow, that's amazing. And this guy's down there laying on a mat saying, help please, little help over here. And most people just walk past him. Once in a while, people give him a little money. But these guys hear the Spirit of God say, psst, him, over there. And they stop in their tracks. And they turn around and look at this man. And they say, look at us. Because the guy's just got his hand out. He's not looking at anybody. He says, no, look at us. Turn around, look at us. Look us in the eye. And the guy's like, yeah. And he says, silver and gold, I have not. We have not. But what we have, we give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. And this guy reaches out his hand. This guy not only gets up, he jumps to his feet. He is leaping and dancing for joy. The guy is doing jumping jacks. Everyone who walked into the temple for years knows that's the guy. They know who he is. He's there every day. And this guy's doing jumping jacks. He's like, this is awesome. He's singing, everything is awesome. He's like, he's rocking it out. Everyone's like, that's the guy. We know him. And everyone is blown away. It's a full-blown miracle that just happened. They walk in the temple and everyone's like, what is this? People are flipping out going, God, it's doing radical things. Peter goes, you want to know what this is about, guys? He's like, don't look at us. Don't look at us as if we had any kind of power to pull this off. Because you guys are looking at us as if we're like some sort of, he's like, no, God did this. And God did this through his servants, his people, in the name of Jesus who is alive. Jesus is alive and when you, when you pray and make these declarations in his name, God shows up. And what you're seeing today, this guy who was at the gateway for like 20 years, you walked past him every day and he's doing jumping jacks. It's not us. It's the power of God because Jesus is alive and it's in the name of Jesus that it happened. People are blown away and it says in the passage that some 2,000 people said that is real, it's legit, and we want in on the kingdom of God. We're not missing out on that. That is, we've been waiting a long time for this. We believe it. 
So the church now goes from 3,000 to 5,000 people. The religious leaders, on the other hand, they're not cool with this at all. We didn't sanction this miracle. We didn't approve this. We don't even know you guys. What, what's going on here? We didn't endorse this. They can't deny the guy is healed, but they are baffled about this because J- James, uh, excuse me, Peter and John, who are in this passage, who are um, representing Jesus and sharing to the crowd, were not endorsed by them. And yet they're getting up there with this radical, anointed authority of God, like a prophet of God, making declarations, and it's changing lives, and it's piercing souls, and they're like, what's going on? They have a problem with this. And so here we see the opposition, the opposition opposed to the message of Christ, which they encountered, and you will encounter too. But God is greater than any opposition. How many of you know that Jesus said, this is my church, and on this rock, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. The gates of hell cannot prevail against my church. And that's the heart of Jesus. Although there is opposition, it cannot prevail. So never think of, well, hell is bigger, and I don't know. Hell is not bigger. Hell is smaller, and it cannot prevail against the people of God or the message of God, says Jesus. And his spirit that is in us, Scripture says, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. So Christians that have a fear don't understand the authority that God really gives. And it's equally important to understand the, the power of God as much as it is the authority of God. That you and I are blood-bought sons and daughters of the Most High God. And when you walk in knowing your authority, not who we are, but who he is and who we are through what he's done for us, when you walk in a room understanding that, you're in a different position. And there doesn't need to be fear and timidity. There will be power, love, and a sound mind. And you will understand the authority in the name of Jesus. And it's amazing how this story unfolds. Hopefully, we're going to identify with this. Um, Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 1, and we'll look at this in sections. It says, The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John, While they were speaking to the people, they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there. And so was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them, by what power or what name do you do this? So Peter and John meet their first direct opposition after being filled with the Holy Spirit. And this opposition is the religious elite, the religious leaders. Sadly, it's the same group of religious leaders that just had Jesus crucified recently in the, in the, in the timeline of the book of Acts. This is in Acts chapter 4. Um, Jesus was just crucified, you know, a few chapters earlier at the end of Luke, and they're waiting in the upper room to be filled. This isn't much earlier. The sequence is a tight timeline, and you're in front of the same guys that don't like you, and they didn't like Jesus, your leader, and they had him crucified. So you talk about some opposition. I don't know what you would do. I asked myself, what would I do 
If I was in front of these people who don't like me and don't like my Jesus and just had him crucified, what do you do? Think about that, family. What do you do? What would you say? How would you act if you too were being questioned by these same people that just had your Jesus, Lord, Savior, Messiah, the lover of your soul, just had him crucified? What would you do? Would you retreat or would you charge? I think that question really hinges on what we would want to do naturally or what we could do spiritually. Because in the natural, it would be natural to say, "Uh uh-oh, I'm in trouble here. I just better be quiet and, and not get killed over this thing. I better live to fight another day is what the natural response would be. But the spiritual one would be, Jesus said, don't worry about what to say. I will be with you and my spirit will tell you what to say. Because the Spirit of God will show up in moments just like this if we let him. God wants to be on display in moments just like this. And so the apostles do exactly that. And it says in verse 8, now this term comes up again and again in the book of Acts. You might want to underline it in your Bible because it comes up over and over and over again. It says, then Peter, filled with the Spirit, said. Now that's not the first time this came up and it's not going to be the last. You might want to put your own name in there because God would like to do things through you uh, filled with the Spirit. The Lord might say, Roy, filled with the Spirit, said this. You know, Letty, filled with the Spirit, said this. You know, Scott, filled with the Spirit, said this. This is the the thesis of Scripture. The people of God filled with His Spirit saying things and doing things in the power and presence of the living God. And Peter, under this form of opposition, Peter, filled with the Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given by mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. Radical passage. The first thing is that filled with the Spirit, Peter gets up and speaks. There's a big difference between getting up and speaking in the power of the Spirit and getting up and speaking in our own flesh and understanding. If we get up and speak in our own flesh and understanding, nothing's going to change. Oh, we might have ideas, We might have principles. We might even have some experience, which may have some benefit, but doesn't change lives, doesn't change the the spiritual atmosphere, doesn't change hearts and minds and souls. But filled with the Spirit, that's the Spirit of God speaking through His people. And that's what the Spirit of God has done all through Scripture, even through the prophets. The Spirit of God pushing the pen of His servants, the prophets of old, all the way through. It's the Spirit of God moving through people and being on display through people. God could have chose to use angels, but he chooses to use people, and his spirit is moving through people, 
and God changes lives through people. And Peter gets up filled with the Spirit and he says this. And he, he says a few things that Jesus is alive and that there's no other name under heaven and earth which you can be saved but the name of Jesus. And here's the thing. He gets up so filled with the Spirit, he goes on this discourse. He is an uneducated Galilean fisherman. This guy would have been a dropout because you had to move on with the family business and you couldn't move on. You couldn't go to rabbinical school. You couldn't be one of the religious elite. You, you didn't have the time for that. You had to help out with the family business and you're doing it since you're a young boy and it's way up in Galilee, which is out in the country. So this guy's from the sticks. He's from the boonies. He's not from primetime Jerusalem. He's from out in the woods. He's from out in the country. And so was John. They're both fishermen from the same little podunk town up there in Galilee, and yet they're walking by. You, look at me. I give you this in Jesus' name. Boom, he rises up. They're in front of all the religious leaders, and he's like, every one of you know this. And he gets up, and people are like, who are you? Who are you? Just a Galilean fisherman spent a little time with Jesus. Because if you spend time with Jesus, it becomes very noteworthy. It's very noteworthy when you spend time with Jesus. And these guys said one thing, we don't understand. It says we're baffled, we don't understand it. They took note, they were astonished, they're unschooled, they're ordinary. How do you quantify what we're seeing with this guy getting up and Making a proclamation, we can't figure this out. We haven't seen anything like this. The only determination, conclusion we can come to is these guys spent time with Jesus. And that is so noteworthy. It was noteworthy in their environment and it's noteworthy in our environment. If you're a note taker this morning, you might want to write that down as to, to be identified as someone who has been with Jesus. Um, if you spend significant time with Jesus, serious time with Jesus, um, they will identify you as the same way. People on the job, people on the workplace, people in the neighborhood, people will begin to recognize, not because you studied so much and not because you're a scholar, although it's good to study the word and grow in God's counsel, they're gonna know something about you. I think they spent some time with Jesus. Are you one of those Jesus people? Because I'm seeing some similarity here. This is what's noteworthy. There's also a wisdom of God that comes out of God's people because when you spend time in God's counsel, God's wisdom comes out of you. God's love, his discernment, his power, his grace. These are things God does. We can't do it on our own. God does it through us. They were identified as people who were with Jesus. And that's the conclusion of the Pharisees. Uh, in my journey of faith, along the way, I have been honored to note the same things I trust you have as well that along the way you run into people, you encounter people, that it's obvious, I think they spent some time with Jesus. Have you ever done that along the way? Like you can't deny, it's not because they were so smart or they learned so much. It's just something about their heart, something about their disposition. It's something about the spirit of God in them where you go, I think they spent some time with Jesus. That's the only thing I can conclude. And it, and it doesn't matter if they're newer in the faith or in the faith 30 years, that's not the noteworthy thing. The noteworthy thing is they spend time with Jesus. And if you and I spend time with Jesus, I mean daily. 
I mean, get up, get in the morning, get on your face, pray, have your devotion, spend time with Jesus, then you go into work as a different person. You go into work as a person who spent time with Jesus. And people notice this stuff. They recognize there's a shift in the atmosphere because of the spirit of God that you're ushering into an environment, that you go as a representative. They recognize it here, and they'll recognize it in your life as well. And it says that, um, verse 15, so they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin. They didn't know what to do with these guys. They ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin, and they conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they've performed a notable sign, and we can't deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. So as we see, the the Spirit of God is empowering them to speak. The opposition is opposed to them speaking. The, the conclusion is a lot of people realize it's legitimate. We can't punish them in front of the people, but we don't want the message to go on anymore. That's our conclusion. It's an antichrist position, opposed to Christ. His ways, his name, his message. Um, you know, even in prayer things, if you pray generically, that's fine. But if you pray in Jesus' name, oh, wait a second. People have a problem with Jesus sometimes, and it's, it's antichrist in nature. Even if people don't, discern it themselves, that the spirit behind it, the Bible says it's not about flesh and blood, but about powers and principalities and rulers in high places. It's not just an idea or a principle, it's a spiritual element behind it that's opposed to to Jesus. Um, And they're saying we must stop them from spreading this any further. I would suggest that our reply needs to be the same as theirs. Do you want us to listen to you or do you think we're going to listen to God? We have to listen to God. We're going to stand before God. We're not going to stand before people someday and say, how do you think I did with, you told me to not share God anymore. Was I, was I cool with you? Was I, was I good? We're not going to stand before people that way. We're going to stand before God and give an account for everything that he's given us. And his spirit is so for us representing him, not beating people up, not beating people up, not, but sharing the love and the reality of God and his kingdom and who Jesus is and, and, and what he did. That's the heart of God. That's what he told them and he commissioned them. Go to the whole world and share. Share the love. Keep spreading it. Don't be silent. Go public for me. I'll give you the power to do it. But that's the thesis in, in scripture. And hopefully our reply is the same. They say, as for us, we can't help but speaking about what we've seen and what we've heard. Now, I don't know about you, but I trust many of you in here have, have seen many things about the reality of God being alive. How many of you personally experience in your life that God is alive? Al- I mean, like for sure alive, okay? And you probably have a list of things that would substantiate that in your own life. Why is God alive? 
How can I tell you for sure in my life, with my experience, that God is alive? Besides, his word says it, and I believe it. But how in your own life can you, can you testify of the reality that Jesus is alive? That's what they're in trouble for. They're telling everyone that Jesus is alive. They crucified him, and they're saying, no, he's alive, and this man is doing jumping jacks because Jesus is alive. Testimonies living on, lives are changing. And the same with us, as for us, we can't help but speak about the things we've seen and we've heard. I would suggest the same with us. I don't know what you've seen and what you've heard, but the Spirit of God wants to empower us, empower all of us to be able to speak. They're filled with the Spirit and they can't help it. I would suggest when people are not filled with the Spirit, they can totally help it. They can be silent, they can be quiet, they can have no real burning desire because the Spirit of God, when you're filled with the Spirit, the Spirit's desire is for you to go public and for Him to speak through you and I. And I know in my life, and we're going to see this in Scripture as we go through the book of Acts, that they were filled with the Spirit, but guess what? They went back and said, God, would you fill us again? Now, there are some denominations don't teach that, but it's in the book of Acts. It's Scripture. It's the Word of God. Underline it, read it. And I don't know why people do that. I think they have maybe an agenda of just don't talk about the Holy Spirit, move on. And some have that agenda. Some have that agenda of things with the Holy Spirit can get carried away, so we're going to reel it in, reel it in, and it's just end of story, move on. And that's, I've talked to people in their past, and that's end of story, move on. But Scripture doesn't say end of story, move on. Scripture shows this, the, the uh, believers being filled, men and women, 120 in an upper room, God giving them the power to live in a, in, in a way almost prophetically where God is speaking through them and lives are changing through them and the church goes to 3,000 and in this passage it goes to 5,000. Why? Because people can't keep it on the inside. God wants to pour out something in you but he doesn't want it to stay on the inside. He wants it to come on the outside and if you're willing for God to do that, you have to be filled so it'll come out of you. We don't get filled with the Spirit so just, so, just so that we can be happy. I just want to be a little happier. Can I get filled with the Spirit? Well, that's not the qualifier. Oh, there will be joy, but that's not the qualifier. The qualifier is I want to be poured out. And God's saying, I would love for you to be poured out. If you're willing to be poured out, I will totally fill you so that you can be on display for me because that is the modality of the Holy Spirit all throughout Scripture. And so these guys filled with the Spirit are speaking up. God's moving. He's doing miracles. Things are happening. Lives are changing. People are sharing their God story of what God's doing. The opposition is real, saying, don't do that anymore. And people are saying, because they're filled with the Spirit, we can't listen to you, we're gonna listen to God. We can't help but share our God story. And if God is for us, who can be against us? And we're not gonna stop. And we see this kingdom of God growing in a beautiful way where people are discovering the love of God. Um, I know he changed me. I know Jesus is alive. I know personally he's alive because he changed me. I know I'm not who I used to be and I'm not who I'm yet gonna be, but I know he changed me. I know he's taken away a heart of stone and he's given me a, a heart of flesh. I know he's given me a new hope and a new beginning and I know he's given me a fresh start and I've seen him not only do it in my life but so many around me and even though we all have different backgrounds as one common denominator, Jesus entered the picture at some point. And it doesn't matter whether he entered the picture out of inspiration or desperation, Jesus entered the picture. And when he did, there started to be a transformation in lives, not perfect people, but people who were open to Jesus 
entering in. And when Jesus enters the picture, lives change. There's encounters with Jesus and there's transformation. And I've seen so much of it. I'm standing as a living testament that he is so alive. And until my last dying breath, I will say that Jesus is so alive. Nothing is going to keep me silent. In fact, scripture says in Isaiah, I can't be quiet and I won't be silent anymore. I won't be silent. He's alive. How can I be silent about it? And if you're here this morning and you have that sense of maybe shy uh, or fear or timidity in this area of faith, and it's very understandable because I remember for years I had that same thing. I, same thing. Like, if people ask me, I'll tell them. If they don't ask me, well, I can tell them. I mean, I've got to have a wide open door. It's got to be obvious. And then I'll walk through it. And, and if not, then, hey, I'm just going to respect everyone's space, you know. Peter and John weren't saying, let's just respect everyone's space. They're like, he's alive. We can't help but do this. But understand the same power of the spirit that was showing up in their proclamation was also showing up in evidences around them. That's another reality you can't disconnect from the book of Acts. Jesus said, these things will follow them. These signs will accompany them. The ones who go public and the ones who proclaim that these signs also go along with. And the problem today is some don't want to be a proclaimer. They just want to have a little sign and wonder meeting over here and, you know, keep it on indoors among friends. And it's like, that's, so, that's not a bad thing, but that's not the book of Acts. The book of Acts is we're on display. We're not our own. We're bought with a price. We are proclaimers for the most high God and filled with the spirit. We show up and we, we speak up and we love up and we pour out and God does things. And by the way, he shows up with other evidences as well. And this is what Jesus said in the end of Mark's gospel. These signs will accompany. If you go public for me and you go share the story throughout the world, throughout your world, if you share the story, these things will accompany. And he's talking about God showing up in ways in and around you and I, our lives as well, if we are willing to represent him. This is the way it is in scripture. And I believe this is what God is calling us to Uh, no matter what your background is, to look at the book of Acts and say, I think this is God's model for the church. And I think if we aim at this, this is something God honors. God honors this. And so um, for the second point this morning, if you're a note taker, um, is to, people might want you to be quiet or they might want you to settle down or they might not want to hear it, but the spirit of God wants to empower you to speak up. So the second point is to keep on speaking about what you've seen and what you've heard. What you've seen and what you've heard is so powerful. God has shown you things. He's shown you snapshots of his kingdom. Uh, It is your testimony. It is your God story. Keep on speaking about what you've seen and what you've heard. And what I love about hearing people's God story, some say, well, you know, my situation is I was in this situation um, that I was dying uh, I was dying, uh, whether it was from either addiction or, or, or pain or whatever, and God showed up and, and, and Jesus took that away and he, he's in the great exchange program where he took that away and he gave me this instead and it's beautiful. And, and others were saying, well, I was searching and I couldn't find peace and hope and truth and, and, and still had an encounter with Jesus and Jesus exchanged that. Uh, ultimately, it all comes to the cross where he takes away the sins of the world. And we turn and we follow and acknowledge that he died and rose and he puts his spirit in us and this is where life begins. But there's so many stories that people came to that cross from all different directions. 
They came from left and right and south and north and it didn't matter, but all came to this cross and had an encounter with the real Jesus and now they testify that he's alive because of their God stories and that's beautiful. But Peter and John just went through a pretty serious trial. They could have died over this. And along the way in the faith, you and I will have trials. What do you do when you're in a trial? What do you do do if you sense opposition in your life? Uh, If you sense that there is an oppression against you or against what you represent and who you represent. And when you sense that happening and that does actually happen, and if you're spiritually sensitive to that, you you can notice that, hey, I think I maybe need some prayer here because there is some opposition to me right now. And these guys just went through some serious opposition. And let's look at the first thing they did when they went through opposition. Verse 23, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people. You might want to underline that in your Bible. And reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David, why the nations rage and the people's plot in vain. The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. And they did what your power and will had decided before all should happen. You know, they just went through a big trial. They could have said, I don't know why this has happened to me. I thought I was serving God. Why am I getting dragged before a bunch of people getting threatened like this? Uh, I don't understand it. I'm mad. God, why didn't you, why did you even let me go through that? They could have done that. They didn't do that. They went through in the spirit. They went through this. And the first thing they did after this opposition is they went back to their own people. And there's something about going back to your own people. And this is not genetically your own people. This is not natural DNA, your own people. This is spiritually your people. Going back to your people, the people who also have God's stories in their life, who also have God's counsel in their life, who also will love you and care for you and pray for you and stand before God for you. These are your people. And this is something going on in the early church we're going to see in the subsequent weeks. This is the way family lived. Family had an understanding of we are God's people. We're his sons and daughters. And the way they live, they understand that they will pray for us and they will cry out to God for us and they will be with us. And this is something really amazing. And so if you're a note taker this morning, that's the third point. When facing opposition, go back to your people. There's something about rallying around the family, brothers and sisters who will help encourage you and fan you back into flame again. And if someone else is going through it, then you encourage them and fan them back into flame. It's so, so important to do. You know, um, years ago, I thought I was going to my people. Uh, You see, my mother was born in Ireland, born and raised there, and she came over on one of those slow boats, you know, like those Titanic kind of ships, you know. She came over on a slow boat, and she was raised here in America, but my father's parents were also born and raised in Ireland, and they came over on a slow boat also. So I'm 100% Irish, thinking I'm going to go back to my people's, 
over there and uh, on a vacation many years ago. I was a believer. I brought my Bible. I looked for opportunities to share faith along the way. I was over there for almost two weeks. All I can tell you is there was a shift that was happening. I, I, I thought I was kind of among my family, but I wasn't really among my people. Does that make sense? And because I wasn't, there was, a, there was a, a shift, there was an opposition happening in my life, spiritually. And, you know, I tried to share faith and pray and read my Bible over there, but I didn't have any of my people the way it says here in Scripture. There was no fellowship, koinonia, which is a key component for believers. The early church was committed to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, prayer, and the breaking of bread. There was no fellowship. There was no koinonia in my life. I was flying solo. And... All I knew is, as I spent time out there, um, I felt this opposition and this drift. And when I came back to um, California, I, I, I kind of had this distance between me and the family of believers. I, I, I didn't ask for it. I didn't sign up for it. But it was almost like uh, maybe a time in your life you go through it. It's like a dark cloud hanging over you. Ever do this? You have a dark cloud? Anybody? You, you don't really know what it is, but on the other side, you go, hey, I think that was a cloud. Anybody? More honesty in God's house? Okay. That sort of thing. Didn't know at the time what it was, but having these thoughts of, I don't need to be around them anyway. And, you know, I felt this distant and this uh, negative talk, this negative talk about God's people and you know, I, I just felt very distanced and very separated. But something inside the Spirit of God was saying, get back to your people. And they weren't really feeling like my people at this point. I'd been removed from a while. I kind of felt out of God's family. And I felt kind of distanced from God as a result of it. But the Spirit was saying on the inside, get back to your people. And getting back into fellowship, not because I felt like it, but because God said that's where I belong, that's when God started to light me back up again. That's where I started to get encouraged and prayed for and since then have been able to do it with so many others. It's a key component. These guys just went through a little war. The first thing they did is get back to their people. This is spiritual DNA, having the spirit of God in common, sons and daughters of the most high God. It's great when your genetic family can also be a spiritual family, hallelujah, if that's the case. But it's not always the case. And so God is saying, connect with your spiritual family because they will love, encourage, they will give you godly counsel when others will give you what you want to hear. The family of believers will tell you, here's God's heart on the matter. This is what he says. This is what the spirit is doing. And they pray and they stand with you. That's so important when we go through these things. So when you're in opposition, stick with your family. This moves on in verse 29 and says, Now the Lord, oh, in their prayer, they say, Now Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And after they prayed, the place they were meeting at was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. This is radical. Um, they're like, God, because there's opposition, and there is, here's our prayer, God, in conclusion, because there is opposition against us, two things, God, enable us to speak with boldness. There's opposition, we want boldness. We want you to give us boldness by your spirit and God, you said you would do that. 
you would empower us to speak and give us a capacity to speak that's beyond ourselves. And this, by the way, is the heart of God. And if we don't understand the heart of God, it's hard to understand the power of God. They understood both. And that's why God answered their prayer. They're like, God, we want two things. We want the ability to be bold, which you want for us, God. So we're not asking for comfort and peace. We want your will in our lives. We want to be bold. And God, that's your heart. But also, God, we want you, listen to the way he says it, we want you to stretch out your hand. And we want you, God, to do miracles and signs and wonders. This is really cool. This is the guys who just healed the guy at the gate who got up and is doing jumping jacks still as they're speaking. The guy's doing, you know, he's you know, doing the hustle. He's doing something in the temple while his discourse is going on. And Peter's going, hey, it wasn't us. It was God. And in their prayer, after this is all said and done, he says a couple things. He says, they go, God, give us the power to be bold to speak. And God, would you stretch out your hand among us, around us, through your people, It's you that does it, God. Would you stretch out your hand, God? Would you stretch out your hand and perform signs and wonders in the name of Jesus? God's answer to that prayer was yes. They're asking God, will you pour out your spirit? They were filled already. Just two chapters earlier, they were just filled with the spirit. Some would say, that's it, move on. That's all the Holy Spirit you're gonna get. Just end of story, move on, soldier. Don't keep talking about it. But the apostles who know better than us or are closer to the reality of God's calling in the book of Acts, they were filled. They're bold, they're speaking up, but they're going through some opposition. They go back to their people and say, God, would you fill us with your spirit? Would you give us the boldness, God, that we need? And God, would you also stretch out your hand? It's not us, it's you, God. But we ask that you would stretch out your hand around us so that when we pray things in Jesus' name, it continues to happen. God says, yes, I will do that. I will do that. If you want to be bold for me, yes, I will pour my spirit out. And if you want to see my hand move in the name of Jesus because it all points to me for my glory, you want me to stretch out my hand? God's like, yes. It was a yes prayer. The place was shaken. They were filled with the Spirit again, even though they were filled just two chapters earlier. And they go out in a whole new level of boldness. And guess what? Signs and wonders, if you read the narrative, continue to follow. There's something going on here in the text. They were filled and they spoke boldly. More signs and wonders follow. Um, Their prayer is key to me. And it's the last point this morning, if you want to write this down. Their prayer, they had an understanding of the heart of God and the power of God that I think we need to get a better grasp on. And the fourth point this morning is to understand the connection between our mouth and God's hand. Our mouth and God's hand. They understood this. Here's our prayer, God. We want to represent you boldly. Fill us, God, because we can't do it without you. Fill us, use us, let us represent you, give us boldness. And along with that, God, here's the context, along with that, would you stretch out your hand and would you do signs, wonders, and miracles? Or would you do it, God, in Jesus' name? Because there's power in Jesus' name. And we will continue to lay hands on people in Jesus' name. And we will pray things in Jesus' name. And we'll pray for the miraculous. We don't do it. You do it. You stretch out your hand, but we will do it in faith. But would you fill us with boldness and will you do these things? And God's like, yes, I will. The place is shaken. They're filled with the Spirit and the rest is history. So as the worship team comes up, I just want to close on this thought. Peter and John say, we can't help 
but speaking about what we've seen and what we've heard. And I don't know what can stop you or prevent you or keep you silent. I want you to know the heart of God is that if God is for you, who can be against you? The heart of God is greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. But your God story has so much more power than you know. Um, your God story, you might think, well, my God story is just a simple one. Or you know, We all have different God stories. It'd be great one day to just sit down and, and just let everyone take five minutes and just share their God story and just hear everyone's God story, the condensed version of, wow, God did that in your life. Wow, God did that. But your God story has so much power. In fact, in Revelation, when it's all said and done, and it's the end of the story, you can flip to the back of the book and see how it ends. Um, It talks about how we overcame the opposition, the devil, how he was completely overcome forever. And it says we overcame him by two things, by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And we know the blood of the lamb on the cross was the ultimate defeat of Satan, that he had no power. Jesus conquered sin and death. But through the rest of the journey until the end, we overcome by the word of our testimony as well. We overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, the word of your God story. When you're willing to share your God story with people around you, it gives life to others. The devil does not want you to share your God story because it's how he loses. Every time you share your God story, hell loses. And the devil doesn't want you to share your God story. But God's like, I've given you a story. And some of you, he's given you a greater story. He's not done with your story. He's still building on your story. He's still writing chapters in the book. But the beauty is, share your God story. And ask for this boldness. Ask for the boldness that they did. Say, God, I want more of your spirit in me so I could be bold. Now, this is something you have to come to terms with. Are you willing to be bold if God will give you the boldness to do it? That's the question that I want to leave you with this morning because our prayer team is coming up here on the side and be able to pray for you, for the Spirit of God to pour out His Spirit for a boldness in your life to represent. And the greatest probably single evidence of being filled with the Spirit is the ability to speak up on behalf of God, to to, to let God speak through you. That's the greatest single evidence of being Spirit-filled because on the day of Acts, when they were filled, the first thing, Peter's speaking up. Peter, filled with the Spirit, boom. Filled with the Spirit, boom. There's an outflow of what God's pouring in. And if you are willing, if you are willing, then I would encourage you to do what they did, to say, God, fill me with your Spirit. Or like them, they already were filled and say, God, fill me again. We want to be bold, God. We want to represent you, and we want to ask what they asked. Will you fill us with a boldness? And at the same time, will you stretch out your arm? God, we want you to stretch out your arm. I don't know about, how many of you want God to stretch out his arm around us and actually do some tangible things, signs, wonders, and things that people around go, what was that? Like the guy at the gate. What was that? That's Jesus is alive. That's what that is. That's praying in his name because he is alive. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Are you going to enter in? Are you going to stand on the outside? And people are like, I'm, I'm getting in on that. And people started coming to Jesus. If we're willing to be bold, the signs and wonders follow. They don't always proceed. Jesus said these will follow. They will accompany. They will accompany the proclamation, the boldness. And so 
I don't really see in Scripture having one without the other. I think there's a great connection between the proclamation and the evidences of God, hand in hand. And so as we close in prayer, I just want to pray for us as a family of believers that we would get into the next dimension that God would have. And that is not a self-centered life, but a God-centered life where we say, God, I'll be on display for you if you want. I don't know what to say. In fact, I'm a little timid and shy about it, God. But if you'll give me the power, I'll speak up, God. He'll say, yes, I'll give you the power. That's exactly what I want to do. It's my desire to pour out my spirit in you so that you will speak on my behalf. That's God doing it. And it's beautiful when he does. And if you haven't maybe been to that point, then maybe it's time in your journey of faith and your walk with Jesus where you say, you know what, it's time to take a step up and take a step forward in growth in God's kingdom and say, it's not about me, it's about you. And I wanna, I'm willing to speak for you. And as you're walking through the gate called beautiful or on your way into Trader Joe's or into the workplace with the parking attendant where the spirit of God is gonna say, psst, him over there, psst, her over there. And you're gonna say, I don't know what to say, but it's okay. God is gonna empower me and he's gonna show me what to say. And you might walk up and say, how you doing? You know what? Can I pray for you? And the person might start bawling, crying. We've done this before people start. It's like, how would you even know what they're going through? You wouldn't know, but the Spirit of God knows all things and searches all things. Spirit of God knows. And if you're willing to represent, maybe that's your boldness to walk up to somebody and say, you know what? I just sense, can I pray for you? And most people don't turn down prayer. I've talked to atheists who don't turn down prayer. Sure, I guess so. And you start praying and you pray as the Spirit leads you. And all of a sudden, you're praying things that you cannot know. They are not knowable in the natural. But the Spirit of God who knows and searches all things knows very well what they're going through, just like the guy at the gate, beautiful, and will tell you, pray this and pray that. And all of a sudden, people are like, how is this happening? How? Because Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. That's how it's happening. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit valleymetrochurch.com.